And welcome back to another episode of Lost of Down. We are your hosts. I am Steve. He is Wally. He is Dave. Before we toss it over to the boys to see how their weekend was, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Use promo code football for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. Boys, how are we doing? I'm going to toss it to David first. Our Syracuse Orange getting a big win against our rival Georgetown this weekend. But how was your weekend, David? weekend was good it was relaxing outside of you know the browns and the raiders and everyone making me look dumb go but Cuse, baby we 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 move on with go Cuse. i love that love that all right well first of all <laughs> credit to you guys i'm happy for you seriously like since ohio state basketball is kind of irrelevant i really don't have a dog in any race in college basketball so i pull for you guys i'll pull for my dad's cleveland state vikings to win the horizon League, stuff like that but beyond basketball, we had the Army-Navy game. Naturally, not only... Fuck that game, sorry. No, I, I see, I don't know what your reason's for. We'll get to that in a second. But not only does Army win, but the under that has been hitting for like 15 straight years, that was the reason I see you nodding your head, Stephen, yep. and pointing. Yep. 15 straight years, I literally have it bookmarked in my phone to remind me every single first Saturday of December to bet that game because it's free money. It should have been free money as well. And then naturally you get – it was 10 – first of all, it was 3 nothing with a minute left in the second quarter. And with that game, that might as well have been a million points away. But it's 10-7 with two minutes left. Army hits a field goal, goes to overtime, and then all of a sudden both teams think they're the 80s 49ers and just scoring on one play. Very, very frustrating. But beyond that, it was it was a nice weekend. I was telling you right before David actually joined us before we started recording, I just read the Mike Leach news, the most up-to-date news a few minutes ago. I'm I was struggling. I'm like, just it's tough, first of all, because it sounds like he – and hopefully it's not a correct report, but it sounds like he is going to pass away. We don't know what it was yet, but it just kills you because, first of all, this guy is a national treasure with college football. All of us are, are football fans here. I know that David and I are more college than you, Stephen, but you obviously love, love Mike Leach as well. Guy's hilarious. He had a soundbite for everything. I, I just it, – it killed me. I, and then – I know I'm rambling to start the show, and I will shut up. But, David, I know he beat your Texas Longhorns in 07, but that was one of those games where I felt like the entire country, everybody our age, it was such a cool moment because that was kind of right when those kind of upsets were starting to happen a little bit more. It was in that crazy 2007 season, and it all goes back to Graham Harrell. It goes back to Mike Leach and that Texas Tech team and really was one of those moments that I can remember saying, I'm so happy I want to make football a part of my career, part of my life because of moments like this and just over, just kills me. And hopefully the family's doing all right. Again, sorry to ramble to start the show guys. No, Steven, I hope the Michael, hope you're good. Is that the Michael Crabtree game that I'm thinking of? Yeah. With like 29 yard touchdown, like two seconds left. Yeah. Did you, yeah. I saw something that he had that there, he had a heart attack followed by, like seizures with the possibility of brain damage because he wasn't helped for 15 minutes. Like, I don't I mean, know. That would that's make shocking. sense. I mean, they, they said they flew him 
to like yeah. airlifted him. And the worst part was they couldn't even airlift him right away because the weather was so bad in Mississippi that they had to wait until it was clear to go. And it just, it was like one thing after another. And when it first came out, it was just like, Oh, cool. Mike Leach is at the hospital. Like hopefully he's back for the ball game. And each, it felt like minute that passed by, it got more and more serious and it just a gut punch out of nowhere. And if you guys aren't familiar with who Mike Leach is, it's a quick YouTube search and there's just going to be tens of twenties of thirties of minutes of just amazing. If it's post-game interviews, if it's on the field, if it's just a presser in general, whenever this dude is on your TV, you need to watch. I think just this past year, uh, or just even a few weeks ago, he was upset about how his offense, particularly the wide receivers were playing. So what he do, he picked up and threw down every single chair that the wide receivers are sitting on because quote, they weren't worthy enough to sit down on these chairs. Cause that's how bad they're playing. And also Garner Minshew, come on the Garner Minshew, Mike Leach uh, marriage that they had for like a year and a half, two seasons, however long it was. Cause Garner liked to pop around every year. I think he went to four schools in five years or vice versa. So it's heartbreaking. And there's not a lot of times in football where, especially as a head coach where you have to be that guy, you have to be serious to, you know, you have to be the most mature because you're a leader of men. If it's in college or in the NFL, just having that type of personality is nice. Like look at Bill Belichick versus a Mike Leach, right? Everyone's going to gravitate towards Mike Leach because that, that's a guy you want to go grab a beer with. You want to go smoke a stogie with whatever it may be. So it's heartbreaking. I hope that, you know, we've seen some crazy positive turns happen in people's lives. I'm hoping that it's going to happen here with Mike. And obviously that's going to lead him to the end of coaching most likely but not the end of Mike Leach. That's all I want. Definitely crossing our fingers for that. Hopefully on a more positive note, Steven, let's get to you now. How are you doing, buddy? I know you said you were in New Jersey for the weekend. Can you tell us what you were doing there? Shout out to Jay and Sarah Durkin, the new Durkins here. I had a wedding for a buddy in, uh, from college, one of the most unique people that I've ever met in my life and one of the most favorite people I've ever met in my life. So they're actually in Jackson Hole, Wyoming here for their honeymoon. Already saw it on Instagram. It looks beautiful. It looks like somewhere in a ski resort. And if you guys know Jay Durkin, which is going to be a few of you, that dude would not ski. This dude's wardrobe consisted of wife beaters, jeans, boots and maybe a leather jacket his room consisted of posters of like guns and roses and tool it says a dude this guy sounds 80s. awesome oh singing his mouth back in the day hope i'm not ratting you out here jay durkin singing his mouth always dude is always ready to speak his mind one of my favorite people ever don't know why sarah is dealing with him or purposely wants to deal with him but he's got a winner over there God, well, I'm glad that you had fun. It sounds like it was a great wedding. That sounds like a guy that would have been a character to know. I can only imagine what a party in he still New is. Jersey. Uh, yeah, I'm like, a party in New Jersey with a guy like that, I can imagine getting wild. So I'm glad you're alive, Stephen. Welcome back. It, it was a rough road, but we got here. It was a, <laughs> it's a hellacious travel day on Sunday. But you know what? I'm here, and I'm ready to talk football with the boys. I feel like I, have, I haven't been here enough. I've just been irking to finally talk some ball with you guys this week. That's awesome. And let's start. Let's start with our one NFL news story of the week. And this is one that I think David's going to be particularly happy with because he's a petty person like myself. Obel, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. Oh. I called him Obel, so that's a problem. Odell Beckham Jr. is not 
a Dallas Cowboy because T.Y. Hilton is. They signed the veteran, former Indianapolis Colts wide receiver, and it all but ends that pursuit of Odell. What was your guys' thoughts on this? This is only coming out here in the last hour. It kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I think they probably did it right after Odell Beckham Jr. went on a podcast and said, what's the fucking point of playing the regular season? I just want to join a fucking playoff team and win a Super Bowl. I I can't imagine killing your chances of getting signed any harder than that. But I have to imagine that was the reaction. Like, all right, if you're not going to come in and build chemistry with us and play hard, why would we sign you? So I imagine that's why they gave up on their pursuit of OBJ. Get a little bit too big for your britches there, Obel, O'Doul's Beckham, you like that? Uh, yeah, I just, I think right when I, I, I agree with you, David, right when I saw that, I was like, I get it. You know, you know, everyone's thinking it at that, at that point in your career, even Odell, who's, come on, he walked into a Super Bowl ring here last year. I get it. He was good on that team. I don't, I think they're going to win it with or without him, just depending on how they're playing. But yeah, they killed it. T.Y. Hilton, it's going to be weird, A, seeing him not in a Colts uniform, but I'm very interested in of what the thought process was behind this. The Dallas Cowboys just reactivated James Washington. I get it. They're going to need a little bit of time to get him up to game speed here because they will have playoff games. But T.Y. Hilton hasn't really been that productive over the last couple of years. He's, what, 35, 36? So a nice middle finger to you, Odell Beckham, that they're going to sign a guy who hasn't played all year like yourself, but he's also about five or six years older than you and has not been productive whatsoever since – Andrew Luck left maybe a year or two after. First of all, the Odell thing. It's insane that this guy, first of all, thought that he was Elvis or the Beatles touring the United States when he's at best an average wide receiver too at this stage of his career. He's a guy that's like you said it. He was a great fit on that team last year. He was, he helped that Rams team go to the Super Bowl. And why is that? Because he was a good wide receiver too to Cooper. To, I must call him Cooper Rush. I'm having a great I start. <laughs> I'm having a great start to the episode, boys. But yeah, he he literally was a compliment to Cup. And now he wanted to almost go somewhere, get wined and dined to David's point was saying, I don't even think I want to play. I want to acclimate. I want to chill out for four weeks. And then I don't really see the point in playing regular season ball. I'll just wait until the postseason. There's two things. It's either you are so out of touch or you are trying to hide the fact that your knee's not ready. And it sounds like Jerry Jones and the Cowboys didn't believe it. The only thing I'd worry about is Marcus Mosher is a Dallas Cowboys beat reporter. And he actually tweeted out not long ago, he wouldn't be surprised if James Washington is actually cut to make room for T.Y. Hilton, which leads you to believe they either are giving up on him early, don't think that he is the guy they were hoping him to be, or maybe there's some problems behind the scene, or maybe the third, they're so desperate to win a Super Bowl right now for Jerry Jones that they're like, we're going to go take a gamble, cut ties with James Washington, and hope we catch lightning in a bottle with T.Y. Would you pick T.Y. Hilton over that? Will Fuller's still out there. Will Fuller is still out That's a out great there. point. Where is Will Fuller these days? Why is he not he even just- getting calls? I don't know. He's one. He's going to be one of those guys that just kind of gets almost black. Probably can't pass a drug test. Probably can't so pass what? The Josh Gordon one. special? I'm not saying that for any. Like, it's not like he is Josh Gordon and, and whatever. But, like, 
wasn't he suspended for a decent amount of yeah. time for, for I, I think you're more referencing PEDs in the piss as opposed to like yeah I just like I imagine that he's either getting high somewhere on a beach and can't pass a drug test I feel like he'd be signed by now if his agent was really trying to get him signed if we're being totally honest they stopped testing for marijuana so that should be Will Fuller's best friend right now that's true I'm telling you, it's it's got to be the PEDs or there's no way that, I mean, his season last year was horrific. So you can't hold that to him. I don't know. It's, it's weird with how much trade talk and how much leverage, not leverage, but how much steam that was, that was getting last year of him being dealt to the trade deadline for him. So yeah, he signed that deal with Miami, but then just vanishes off the face of the earth. Yeah. Dude can't stay healthy or keep PEDs out of the system. That dude can play, and you're going to pick T.Y. Hilton over him, who's arguably they're right there in production. If he comes back 18 months from football and he's been doing PDs the whole time, I expect him to look like that pit DK bull Metcalf. you always see. Oh, that too. You know that ridiculous like pit bull you always see that go viral about once every like six months that literally looks like he'd beat the shit out of me? That's what I want him to look like. I want him to come back and be D.K. Metcalf. We'll just be like James Harrison running a fucking slant route. That would be alarming. <laughs> God. Let's move it on here to this could have been done in the email. Some of the games that we can kind of brush over here a little bit before we give it, go into our week 14 recap. We'll start it off here in the home state where the Cleveland Browns finally take an L to Joe B. About time Joey B gets his head out of his ass here. But I like what Joe Burrow's been doing. He's been playing great ball, averaging just 271 yards per game, 10 touchdowns and three interceptions with a 66% completion percentage over these last, what, five or six game winning streak that they have. Also like to add that Joe Burrow has only been sacked six times during that span, which you think six times over five games, is that really supposed to be good? Considering the O-line has given up five plus sacks in three separate games outside of this five game win streak. Yeah, I chalk it up as a dub. We said it last week, said it this week. The Bengals are really starting to turn the page and look like the team of last year. Even better with that O-line finally playing to the level we think that they should have been. So let's go to the Browns first. So, David, I want to direct the conversation to you, and then we'll come back to the Bengals. Because with all due respect, you're at the point with, like, the Raiders with me where I, like, why are we talking about five and eight teams? I'm so fed up with talking about our teams for no reason Okay, so let's talk about the future because this season's done. Deshaun Watson, two games in, he's very rusty. There are moments that you can see, like, glimpses of the past. When they try to get him going with his feet a little bit, I feel like it opens him up as a passer, too. Where are you at two games in? Do you think it's all rust, or are you starting to think that there might be more to this? I I think it's all rust. I mean, it's kind of exactly where I expected him to be at after not playing football for two years. I mean, like, think about how difficult it is for most players to make a transition out of college to NFL game speed and then just, like, not play football for two years, and that's got to be twice as hard of a transition to get back to. I wouldn't be too concerned with him until unless he opens up 2023 playing like this. And to be honest, it, like, watching the game first half, terrible just atrocious second half looked exponentially better even though he did throw the late interception to basically ice the game like even though there were bad plays the second half he looked much much better in that offense which is a huge positive but the Browns 
the Browns are going to look terrible for the rest of the season. The whole year was basically we're going to play for 2023 and not 2022. I, I'm like, I'm a, I'm over the Browns this year. I, I'm just kind of hoping that we see Deshaun Watson progress better and better and better and better, even if it's not like elite by the end of the year. Give me at least enough to see him progress so that I don't think he's Russell Wilson, but without Jesus. I just like <laughs> I love I, that. <laughs> I I mean that he's is, like, no, he's no, like Russell Wilson no. with the opposite Pause. end of the spectrum. That was perfect. That it, that that man needs Jesus more than Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, I just like the Browns offense is gonna look terrible for as long as he's starting and and yeah, sure, you know, putting Brissett back in there probably makes the Browns better for the rest of the year, but like that's not the point. The Browns it's not about over. this year anymore. Right. It's just it, you see what you have in Deshaun Watson. Watch him progress. Show him game speed. Get him out there with the ones. The season's over. If they had won this game, might be a little different take. Like I might, you might sniff the playoffs if you can win out. But like losing to Cincinnati, you're you know no shot at winning the division. You have you have to make it as a wild card. You still got to win out. I, I and even then it's 50-50. Just see what you got with Deshaun Watson. Don't worry about the playoffs ruin somebody else's chances like the Ravens you know while you still have them left I, I just wildly specific yeah I, I just like you know do what you got to do to get the to get Deshaun Watson comfortable with the team but as for the Bengals they're definitely on a heater I mean that team's going to come into the playoff white hot provided that you know they finish their schedule like this um, should bring white Bengal back speaking of white hot I just uh the one thing about the Bengals that that can't go unemphasized is just how much of a fucking difference dj reader makes on that fucking defense and it is it is night and day that that dude blew up our entire offensive line it's the reason we couldn't run the ball which is half the reason that we look so terrible he had five tackles and four of them were for a loss or no game and all five tackles were defensive stops on his own. I, I just like the guy's a, a freakazoid. I think he scored a 90 plus PFF grade as well deserved. I mean, he was he was the bane of our existence and he was lined up over our fourth string center the whole game, just ready to just destroy every offensive possession we had. And it's not even just him. BJ Hill is an outstanding nose tackle, too. The Bengals defense is so under the cover borderline elite if they had Jadobia Wuzier so this defense is Super Bowl good it reminds you of why that team went on that run without the offensive line but it was a huge win to get the monkey off their back first of all and the thing was is this was that without T Higgins who played a snap Tyler Boyd who played a snap in this game Hayden Hurst didn't play if if you guys watch this game and haven't watched a lot of the Bengals at home this year you were probably like I was a few weeks ago who the hell are these guys Joe Burrow's throwing to? Like Baker Mayfield, we'll get into him later, talking about the 48 hours in the Raiders throwing to people. These guys are practice squad players. You could tell there was no chemistry. It took almost like a quarter and a half until the Bengals started clicking. Ugh, God, but I mean, to, the Browns are highest graded players were Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. What's that tell you? When Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are wreaking havoc that much, bullying Lael Collins and Jonah Williams and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who everybody on earth knew was the guy he was throwing the ball to, were still able to do it. This Bengals team, I, it feels special. 18-3 and three in our last 21 games against the spread. 
their only loss this year outside of the division was against the Dallas Cowboys on the road. I just can't believe it's taken so long for people to realize this team is for real and they are very for real. Imagine how much better they'd be without Zach Taylor. No kidding. About that. <laughs> the Jets, on the other hand, we were talking about how much better they are without Zach Wilson. They go to Buffalo, score a loss, ugly game. Weather was a mess. It was a gross all the way around. Everybody probably has seen by now Mike White literally folded like a lawn chair by Matt Milano in this game. Even without Von Miller, the Bills' pass rush was dominant. Do you guys think they can keep doing this against O-lines that aren't as depleted as the New York Jets, though? Yeah. I just, like, here's the thing. Buffalo's defense without Von Miller was great. With Von Miller was elite. You know, I don't I, – that's not my concern. My concern remains Josh Allen and the the only – when I, – I don't know. In my mind, the Bills are still a top-three team in the AFC, whether Josh Allen plays poorly or not. That said, I really haven't seen him play an elite game in like a month and a half, if not longer. And I think the only silver lining I have out of this particular game was that he wasn't turning the ball over like he has in the last couple of weeks. So like maybe that's a step forward, but I don't know. I, I just this the if Josh Allen is going to continue playing like this, just write the bills off for a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. It's well, just not going to happen this year. They're still question. a great team, but it's just not going to happen. Real question for both of you, and I know I'm kind of like known as a Josh Allen hater at this point. At what point do we say that this is who Josh Allen is? He can play that elite game here and there, but at the end of the day, he's just a good quarterback. He's not the Super Bowl perennial Super Bowl favorite that we kind of expected him to be after that Chiefs game last, what, January? Well, I, I just think it's the elbow injury, right? And it's something that we kind of just gloss over as the weeks come because when you're looking at players, you're like, oh, he's injured. And then you see him, Jamar Chase, oh, that hit, blah, blah, blah. Runs one, runs one round. Well, it looks just fine to me. Sure, he's 100%. These guys are not 100%. You don't want to use the crutch of injury, but it's so clear that the just the mechanics and just your downfield throwing has not been the same since the last Jets game when we were – uh, when we were watching just out there in Vegas, I think it was the last play of the game where he, when he hurt that. So you can see over the past four or five games, he's just not the same quarterback. And then what does he do? Or what does the offense do? Ken Dorsey over here is just designing run plays for this dude to further injure himself or at least further set him back. I think what the Bills mindset was, you know what? He's going to be hurt. Let's get our other players involved here, not rely heavily on Josh, enough where he's going to incrementally get a little bit healthier, where we think in our mind he's going to be at that 90 to 95% when the playoffs comes. In reality, it's just not that's just not how it's going to happen. The best way to recover is rest. Give me my fucking lab coat and give me my next patient. I'm a doctor. Give this guy some rest. It goes back to when he first got injured and we were all wondering on this show, what the hell are they doing playing him right now? You have bigger things to play for than a week eight and week nine matchup. And here we are a month later. It could be a lot of the elbow. I still have the belief that Josh Allen not pulled the wool over people's eyes because he is that talented. But what he did in that Chiefs game last year permanently changed the expectation on Josh Allen, where before that, I don't think that he was in that Patrick Mahomes discussion. And after that, we kind of all put him there. 
I will get say this. If he can even be at the level he's at right now, the way the Bills were able to rush the passer yesterday, get a load of this. We talked about Vaughn Miller being kind of the catalyst to that crazy stat earlier in the year about, I think, getting pressure on like 30-some-odd percent of snaps when they only brought four. Yesterday, they got 46.6% pressure on the quarterback on snaps when they sent four guys without Vaughn Miller. If they can do that kind of stuff, I get it's the Jets' offensive line. Elijah Barrett Tucker's gone. We're talking about Makai Becton being gone. I get it. But just, that's a good fucking defense. And if they can do this, this is a team that can still makes a lot of noise. I still believe the Dallas Cowboys can too. And they had to scrape and fight to beat the Houston Texans at home 27 to 23. And let me paint the picture too. Houston was up three and had the ball inside the Cowboys five yard line with a goal to go situation and turned it over on downs. Saw Dak Prescott get the second 98 yard game winning touchdown drive of the week. We'll get to another one in a little bit. (laughs) Are we making too much? of this one game for the Cowboys? Or is there something here? Or is something festering? I think it's more of how the Dallas defense that we've been praising just led up 327 yards and 23 points to Davis Mills in the Houston Texans. A little bit of Jeff Driscoll as well. That team just was not able to do anything. I mean, 327 yards and the fact that they needed – what – the game is 60 minutes long. They needed 59 minutes and 20 seconds to finally take the lead and win this game. Yeah, I think it's alarming. You're at home to the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, okay, it's within Texas. There's a, a smidgen of rivalry in there. How could you look past this? This is bad. This is very bad. Michael Jackson, as Kanye West likes to say. Oh, he probably shouldn't drop for Kanye. Yeah, uh, now, now you're canceled, huh? Steven. Congratulations. <laughs> eh, it's, it's all right. I'll, I'll bump her to the background. Me, me, Kanye, and fucking R. Kelly can go. I'll go hang out. <laughs> but absolutely, it's alarming. How could you guys – do you guys find it alarming? David, come on. It's got to be a blip on your radar. I don't find it that alarming. I'm I'm just happy that I took Houston plus 17 and a half last week, and, and that's all I have out of this game. Dallas – without a doubt, came into this game thinking they were going to steamroll the Texans, and they got surprised. And it happens every time we see these massive spreads, these teams get upset or they get dangerously close to getting upset. But the thing I take away from this game is that great teams always find a way to win, even if it's ugly, and that's what Dallas did. And that's probably on Dak's worst game of the season as a quarterback. So, like, you're getting zero from your quarterback and you're still winning the game. I think the pretty... I think I think that's more telling of the game than you know Dallas's defense not looking elite for the first time all season. Him struggling two straight games is the only thing that I would find concerning from this, because to me I'm with you. I think this is a big old nothing burger. The Bills lost to the Jaguars nine six last year. The 49ers have lost to the Broncos, the Bears, and the Falcons all this year. The Chiefs lost to the Chiefs. The Chiefs lost to the Chiefs. The Chiefs <laughs> lost to the Colts. The Chiefs should have lost to the Raiders. I mean, we can do this all day. The teams that overlook their opponents in the NFL, it's like we forget these guys are still professional football players. These guys are very good at their job. 
if you are not locked in, it's the reason any given Sunday and the Cowboys didn't show up. They slept walk through this game. They thought the Texans were going to roll over and die. They didn't good for, for Lovey Smith for getting the troops rallied. They're lucky to escape this game with a win, but all this was, was the all but certain five seed losing focus in a meaningless game. How about the Packer legend Amari Rogers getting his first NFL touchdown? Oh, I didn't see that. Did he really? Yeah. Uh, he scored the first touchdown to the little violin celebration. Oh, he, ha- he must not have been touched if he didn't fumble it, I imagine. <laughs> All right. Random shots fired to Amari. I apologize. Nah, fuck him. <laughs> Speaking of the wild card race, though, out in the NFC picture, the Philadelphia Eagles curb stomp the New York football giants. Should be the New York football little people right now. It was never close. Never close. And what's the recipe to stopping Philadelphia right now, guys? I want to start with that because this team is complete. Praying. I think just praying and and injuries, as much as someone doesn't want to root for that, that is realistically the only thing that you can root for. But Jalen Hurts is now just, just a week away, just completely flips over Pat Mahomes. He's now the favorite minus 150 to win the MVP. It's coming off Pat Mahomes' three interception game, which we're, we're going to get to. But just under 300 total yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. And can we just it's, – it's kind of funny how both David and I were just like, yep, New York Giants, we can't turn our backs on them because they're smoking us against the spread. This team hasn't won in a month. Let's think about it. They had, just have not won in a month. The closest they have was a tie against Washington here what last week or the week before. With Washington, Minnesota, Indy, and Philly again left on their schedule – the Giants might be dead in the water here, boys, and that hype train might be taken off uh, to the offseason. Stick a fork them. Look, from a Giants perspective, I think that team remains who I think they are, and they live and die by the run game, and they're basically the NFC Titans. The only thing that changed about them this season is that other teams have figured out where their weaknesses are and have made them have to play to those weaknesses and attack those weaknesses. And I think that's why the Giants started out hot and and finished cold. But Washington's not an outrageous game for the Giants to win. Indianapolis is not an outrageous game for the Indian for the Giants to win. And oh, by the way, Philly's not going to be playing a single starter the last week of the season. So that's, that's not bad. The Giants are three right wins to finish in the last four weeks. Minnesota, God knows which Minnesota team shows up. We'll get to that later. But I, I just. You know, it's not outrageous to see the Giants maybe push for the wild card, especially knowing that that final week's probably going to be against Philly's practice squad, basically, or at least if Philly's smart, it will be against their practice squad. They're who I thought they were. It's just, you know, if you stop the run, you're they can't win the game. So it's hit or miss for them. As far as Philly goes, I, I don't know. It's like it's not in hindsight, it might not be surprising that they demolished the giants, but it feels like it is because I feel like all those NFC East games are close, no matter how bad or good the teams are that said Philly. I mean, you guys said it, Philly looks like a fully balanced powerhouse and they've looked that way for, you know, six weeks now. And they're my clear favorite for a Super Bowl appearance. And depending on who's the other side of the field, they're, they're a favorite to win it. I'd love to see a matchup between Kyle Shanahan's run offense in that Philadelphia defense to see how that would look. And I think that's very possible. That's the matchup we'll get. But Linval Joseph and Ndamukong and Sue coming in have meant the world of difference to that rushing defense. And 
but speaking of the rushing attack, Saquon Barkley just simply hasn't been a factor the last month of the season since we were worried about that workload of his. And it just coincidentally coincided with the Giants' worst month of the season. It's not a mistake. So I do think it is outrageous at this moment to think that they're going to hold on to this because you are going to see, you do see, when these teams almost start losing, it becomes almost a habit. And it's something that is hard to break out of. You saw how hard it was for the Lions to get back on track when they were struggling this year. That's a good football team that lost six straight games because it's just almost expected. You find reasons to lose when you're on a streak like this. I just think, speaking of that Lions team, I think they're holding that spot right now for them. But let's get into the next game here. Hold on, Wally. I will. Not so fast, my friend. Let me drop a fun fact here. Over the last month. It's fun. Four games. Daniel Jones has more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley over the last no, four games. No yes, way. By nine yards. 161 to 152. Get out of here. I never would have expected Saquon's that. Saquon's been bad. Saquon's been really bad recently. I, I think now we're really seeing what that O-line is like. And, and you know, to Wally's point, when we were talking about his usage and how we didn't like it, obviously Dayball's a big LOD guy. And he was like, yeah, look, most fat guys are right. We should not do it. And all of a sudden, look, that's what you get for listening to us, Brian Dayball. <laughs> that was a really fun fact. I'm really happy you pulled that oh, one. Oh, I'm, I'm filled with them right now. <laughs> I hope you have one for this next game because there wasn't a lot of fun to it. Oh, you Two do. Of them. Two oh, of them, actually. get excited. The Jaguars win in Tennessee for the first time since 2013. Well, there's one of mine. Shit. Oh, well, there you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> Please. Uh, for for the first time all year, it really feels like the AFC South is up in the air. And, and I'll explain to you guys why, in case you guys aren't familiar. They're separated by two games right now. If the Jaguars win Week 18 against the Titans, they would therefore have the tiebreaker, which means it all comes down to the next three weeks. If the Jaguars can gain a single game on the Tennessee Titans, and the Titans play the Chargers, the Texans, and the Cowboys. I think the Jaguars are going to shock the world and send Tennessee home early in the in the year. They're not going to get that home playoff game. And instead, we're going to see the Duval Cats host a team, whether that's fair or not. It, it is what it is. What do you guys think on that? I think Jacksonville only beat the Titans because you and I fucking bet on the Titans. I don't disagree. I I am I just don't care. I, I I really don't care about the AFC South. I don't I hope nobody makes the playoffs. I like I I hate this division so much. Just just when I think I'm comfortable with it, I remember that I hate this division more than anything on the planet. So that's all I got. And it's both southern divisions this year neither deserve to have a playoff team what just out of out of both the the south only one team has a winning record right now yeah wow and the, and and the the titans are just one game above 500 and they should have lost to the raiders but the raiders did what they did all year and choke late in games uh do you see a trend yet people um wally st- wally snagged my first one but i I will give myself credit. I dropped that shit in the LOD chat. But first win in Tennessee since 2013. King Henry finally having hit what his best game in the in the past five weeks with 121 
and one touchdown. Jacksonville scoring on six of their seven drives. Tennessee, who is now losers of four of their past six, including two playoff teams, their wheels are just their wheels are coming off. Out of just slightly under the 8,000 yards that Derrick Henry has had over his career, 48% of those have came against the Colts, Jacksonville, and Houston. That Wait, is what was that percentage? 48%. Wow. Six games. So what? That's like 35 to 40% of the season, and he's got almost half the yards. That is but that makes me question a lot of things and for being totally honest. Yeah, no, you go about the Titans too. And Derrick Henry itself as well. And we know we've seen him have miraculous performances outside of the AFC South. If it's a couple playoffs, yeah, you like know, he's still everyone's gonna remember the oh yeah, everyone's gonna remember that that Josh Norman stiff arm. My God, I still think that they're trying to ply him out of the ground there up in Buffalo, but it's that is mind-boggling to me. 50% of your yards just come from your divisional games. Like I really have to do the math. Like that's, that's like saying 50% of Randy Moss's receiving yard. hell 50% of Jerry Rice's receiving yards came against NFC West opponents or whatever the division breakdown was at that time. That just domination, but we need to see it on the other side, bud. Six you know divided what? by 17 is 35, by the way, math guy, Wally. Watch you, out. Uh, you know what What was my favorite part about what you were talking about there, Stephen, is you reminding me that Josh Norman was a real human being because I remember, bit, yeah. I remember when he was the loudest mouth in the room and then he left Carolina and disappeared Got real quiet. the face of the planet. Fitting <laughs> that real quiet. Yeah. It, it's fitting that he kind of popped up in an episode we talked about OBJ disappointing as well. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. Look at that steel trap of yours, Wally, covered by all that lettuce. You got a steel trap underneath there, bud. Well, yeah, it's what that, uh, the 10 year ago, Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans rivalry, except Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore are really good at football. But not as fun as the Andre Johnson, Cortland Finnegan rivalry. But that, since we're talking about the AFC South, I had to drop that in there. Great point. I forgot about, dude, Finnegan caught that work and got up celebrating like he did the greatest thing. I guess you you get thrown out of the game with Andre Johnson, your team probably is going to throw you a party in the locker room. So I, I guess it's fair. God, that dude was 5'8", 120 pounds soaking wet. He had zero chance of making it out of there alive. With that, let's pop it over to our Week 14 recap here. We talk about a lot of the games. I can't wait to talk about this first one, Walter. Before I toss it to Wally to watch him fill up a, a river basin full of tears. We want you to know this week, 14 NFL recap is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're our age where it feels like there's a wedding. Hey, I was just that one. Weddings, college graduation, baby pictures, you name it, happening every damn weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, Saw Dad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. It was a photo finish here in Los Angeles where the Vegas Raiders blow yet another lead to the Baker Mayfield, the 48-hour the quarterback of the L.A. Rams at that time. Baker Mayfield leads them down a 98-yard touchdown drive to win the game. Derek Carr dropping a 1-8. One eight and one against the spread as a as a road favorite of three plus points. The Rams are dead, and for Baker to come in and perform the way that they did, it was wild. And is I think I'm the number one Baker hater on this podcast, at least. But you always love to see a story like this. Is it going to translate to the end of the year? 
I'm not sure. But what sucks is this is a good Raiders team. This is a good fucking Raiders team that is just allergic to holding on to leads. Just allergic to holding on to leads. And it rips my heart out because just, just for shits and gigs, why? What was it? Four? Four leads that you broke down? Imagine if you kept two of them. You're right there. You are right there. But not in the driver's seat, but you're in the passenger seat giving out directions. I, you know, David, let me toss it to you. Then let's give it to Wally. I like that. I really don't want to talk about it a lot. So I'll be quick. When I you know come you back. Don't. But as you said, the Raiders remain a story of a playoff team that cannot hold leads, which means they're not a playoff team. They're, I think they're an, a nine win team if they hold on to the leads uh, in the second half this season. But allowing 14 points in four minutes is inexcusable to a team who is playing a quarterback on 48 hours notice. The penalties on the final drive are utterly inexcusable because even though I love that Baker got his 98-yard comeback touchdown drive, he should have had an interception. He should have had a turnover on downs. He should have never gotten that game-winning drive. And again, that said, super happy for Baker, but I'm still not falling for the hype again. He's got two years of bad habits to figure out with Sean McVay before I pull that ship out of water and make it float again. I drowned six weeks ago. I'm not ready to relive the experience. And to add on to that, he graded out at 59.9 PFF rating, even after a 98-yard comeback touchdown drive to win the game. He did not play well. Granted, 48-hour notice. I'll make all the excuses in the world for that because that's shocking. Like that, I you wouldn't put anyone in that position unless you absolutely had to. But I... I'm just not, I'm not pulling that ship out of water again. It's just that simple. I'm not, uh, we're not doing, I'm not getting on the Baker train again. He's been bad. He's got a lot of shit he needs to work out with Sean McVay. But if there's one last situation that is perfect for him, it's this one. Where to begin? So I want, let's start with the Rams. Like you just did that. that I, I think that. Like, there are encouraging things that you saw from Baker. Yeah, obviously the last touchdown drive and all that. But he had some strikes about 15, 20 yards down the field throughout the game. And I know that the Raiders' pass defense is a sieve, and that is to be expected. But you still have to make those throws. But fucking joke, first of all, that this was put into the recap. This has no business getting talked about. These aren't teams that have any relevance. The Raiders are not a playoff team. And I encourage you, David, like myself, to not buy in. And it sounds like you're doing a good job. But people like my dad are out there doing the five and eight. Well, if you guys run the table, like there's a way. There's a path. There's no path. We're five and eight for a reason. The Browns are five and eight for a reason. The Steelers are five and eight for a reason. The Jaguars are five and eight for a reason. You don't accidentally get to where you're at. We are just wasting our time. Anyways. Baker gave the Raiders the Mo Green special when our waste of a space defense played press coverage while the Rams had no timeouts, all but 20 seconds left in the game. You keep the ball in front of you, get a spike and a shot at the end zone at best. Instead, you're impressed with no safety help. What a joke. What a cowardly coaching performance on both sides of the ball for the record. And I, 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 you can't let Derek Carr off the hook either. I love Derek Carr. You guys know I'm as big a Derek Carr stand as there is out there. That interception in the first half was pathetic. 
I don't understand what he was doing climbing the pocket there when he was delivering that ball. It was almost like at the last second he knew that it was a bad decision and he tried to like summon it back and it didn't work. You score even a field goal there, that ball game's over. The Rams are looking for an excuse to quit, not only in the season, but in this game. And yeah, the play, like the play calling was conservative. It has been all season with second half leads. No big deal. That's why they have the four 10 plus NFL record leading four 10 plus second half leads blown to your point, Stephen. But he's got to be better too. Max Crosby deserves better. David, you brought up those penalties. Jared, or what? Uh, oh my gosh, I'm spacing now. Uh, Jerry Tiller, the guy they just claimed from the Chargers a few weeks ago. He's been outstanding with the Raiders, been an unreal fine midseason, and he does that stupid knock the ball out of his hand. Yeah, it's soft. I, I get it, but you can't give the ref something to call there. It was all – and I, I I get there were missed holdings on Max Crosby. Everybody was clamoring, and I get it. Yeah, I was pissed off in the moment, too, that they weren't called. That's what happens with good pass rushers in the NFL. All good pass rushers. You go to Cleveland. You talk to Browns fans. What is it? Miles Garrett never gets a call. You talk to the Steelers fans. Uh, TJ Watt never gets a call. Bengals fans. Trey Hendrickson never gets a call. It's every team. So it's not unique. You you have to win the game. You have to still do your job. Patrick Graham should be fired about six weeks ago. One of the, I'm just I'm so I'm literally just rattled. I, genuinely happy for Baker. He deserved this moment, but let's not carry get carried away with this. This is the same football team. Most It might be the most embarrassing season in the NFL that I can remember. Not only do you lose to a quarterback that has been a national joke for a year and a half, David and I are the two people that are only in the fan club, but you lose to Jeff Saturday. Less than a week after he's hired, less than a month after he tweets out that your team's a joke, you have this record for most blown leads in a year. I, it's like, when will it end? I'm just, I feel like I, I just was so excited for this season for the first time in my life. For the first time in 20 years, I was genuinely excited for a season. And now I can't wait for it to be over. Oh, man, that's rough. The Detroit Lions win again. And cover the spread when we all thought Vegas was trying to trick us. Two-point favorites against the Minnesota Vikings she was visiting. They end up winning 34-23. to 23. No trickery. Jared Goff. 330 yards. Three touchdowns. No turnovers. Hasn't thrown an interception in 189 pass attempts. How about that? How about that for a fun fact right there, Wally? But the thing that stuck out to me was Detroit's defense. Came to play when it matters. Two, They had two turnovers on downs. They had two fumbles that they recovered. Detroit is starting to get hot here, making a late wild card push. With games versus the Jets, Carolina, Chicago, and Green Bay, I'm really liking their chances here to squeak in late. Minnesota's D is going to bring this team down. Allowing Detroit to score a touchdown in every single quarter, which is, I know that sounds crazy because how much we've been praising Detroit, but it's hard to score a touchdown in every single quarter, regardless of how good your team is. For them to do that, that's going to be Minnesota's Achilles here when it comes to, when they're heading into January. They've already locked up the NFC North. They've all but officially mathematically locked it up, but they have locked up the NFC North if they haven't already, if it hasn't come out already. Minnesota should be worried about what this defense is doing. 
Detroit should be happy about what this offense and this team as a whole is doing. And Dan Campbell with just get a wheelbarrow for this dude's nuts because he loves addicted. I need to go for it on fourth down and or I need to go for it on a fake punt, inject it straight into my veins, Dan Campbell. I can't get enough. And I think I speak for everybody um, in the entire world when I say we need Dan Campbell in the playoffs. We need a playoff uh, presser from Dan Campbell. The only team outside of the Packers in the NFC North that I will root for, one pride, baby. Shout out Butson and uh, my man Brock. They're becoming this podcast like collective favorite team I feel like we're all just really rooting for this team but I, I want let's let's talk about the the negatives for a second before we get into the positives of the Lions because the Vikings are taking the New York Giants scenic route right now to their season yeah they're 10 and 3 sure but they have a negative point differential they're the first NFL team ever to be 10 and 3 with a negative point differential I mean Right there, I mean, you're bottom five in all defensive passing metrics, basically hanging out with the Titans. We wonder why these teams are falling off a cliff. And over the last three games, this isn't the 10 and three. The records, I feel like we fall in love with talking about like a team, the way their record indicates who they are. Over the last three weeks, this isn't a playoff Vikings team. They got boat raced at home, lost by 37 to Dallas. They needed two goal line stands to beat a floundering Jets team. And then you got worked by the Detroit Lions. I mean, they're swiftly reverting back to the mean. So good luck because I think David called it a month ago. They are primed for a first round exit. But let's talk about the Lions real quick. Let's be happy. And Steven, you're right. We need a Dan Campbell playoff presser. He's having a blast coaching right now. It is evident. And you guys played football. You know what it's like when you have a coaching staff that's having fun, that doesn't feel like they're miserable because that it, it gets – imprinted on your team and when you have a fun coach you play better football you play more confident football you take risk and the players reward you for taking them sure we talked about the fake punt now how crazy it was how cool it was that they drilled it from inside their own 30 what about that the last two calls to win the game they sent Panay Sewell in motion sprinting and threw a pass to him out of the backfield, and he had to make a hell of a catch. That is a catch 100% of the time. Past Lions teams drop. This one is different. You can feel it. And then he kicked a freaking 50-some-odd-yard field goal where so many other cowardly coaches would have punted the ball at that point to end the game. I love Dan Campbell. I love these Lions. And thank God Jamison Williams caught a touchdown too. This year can't get any better for them. Look, I said it two weeks in a row. Minnesota had they had prove it games against the Jets elite defense. Maybe they made me think maybe they weren't a pretender, but now losing to a red hot but still very not ready Lions team. I I just think I mean you said it. I think the Minnesota Vikings are primed for a loss in their very first game of the playoffs. And I don't think it'll be close. Um, but that being said, I fucking love the Detroit Lions. I'm on the bandwagon. But they should have, they have no business beating a 10 and 2 team right now as currently constructed. And I, I love the Lions. I think they're there's so many bright spots. They're electric. They're super exciting. And I'm super excited for the future of their franchise. That being said, I just don't, I don't think they had the business doing what they did, but that speaks volumes to where Dan Campbell has this team. And it speaks volumes to how red hot they are right now. Um, but 
moving on to a game where I'm super excited for the offseason of the Baltimore Ravens. The the Baltimore Ravens beat Pittsburgh 16-14. Tyler Huntley leaves the game with an injury and gets replaced by a guy I've never heard of. Patrick Queen, Rokon Smith balled out for the Ravens. Kenny Pickett left the game with a concussion, I think, and and Mitch Mitch Trubisky showed everyone why he'll never get another starting opportunity again. I don't know. This was a wildly weird and disinteresting game for me. Um, It's a combination of Dobbins providing a huge spark for the Ravens with 15 for 120, Trubisky throwing three interceptions or turning the ball over three times, basically allowing, gifting the Ravens a win. As for the Steelers, Trubisky is just not the answer, and it's clear that they need to find ways to get Pickens the ball more. Pickens only had three targets on 34 pass snaps, and on all three targets, he caught all three balls for 78 yards. That is, I mean, against an atrocious secondary, no less, if, like, not getting your wide receiver the ball who's clearly dominating them, I I don't. I don't get what's going on in that offense other than the fact that Mitch Trubisky just sucks. If Pickens doesn't take like a giant leap forward next year or not Pickens, if, um, Pickett. if, if Pickett doesn't take God, that's, that's going to throw me for a loop going forward. But if Pickett doesn't take a giant leap forward next year, the Steelers are in for like a world of hurt offensively for quite some time moving forwards because the Steelers offense is just maybe one of the ugliest ones in the NFL. And there's like nothing exciting about them. I don't even think George Pickens is that exciting. And what's funny to me is the Ravens beat the Steelers in bully ball, which is the Steelers MO for the entire duration of my life. And that's scary. Like that's, that's really bad for the Steelers, like a really bad look for the Steelers. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It is so clear. We were all kind of questioning. Maybe they moved on from Mitch too quick, right? Is Pickett ready? Nah, Pickett's your guy, right? Let's all take a let's all take a step back. Remember, and I I can't remember exactly who had said it, but I remember when they signed Mitch Trubisky, and someone had a couple of people were like, "Well, he's had a year. He's matured. He's going to be a better quarterback, and he's arguably shittier than he was before he left Buffalo." So I find that hysterical. Honestly, go for Mason Rudolph more than Mitch Trubisky. This was embarrassing. Hopefully, Kenny, Kenny Pickett can kind of bounce back and there's not any hiccups here because he's been putting in a couple games that – or the last few games he's been playing, he's been kind of putting it together here. To talk about David's three targets that George Pickett has, that gives him a grand total of four targets over the last two games for your first-round pick. Great job, Pittsburgh. That's one way to kind of develop that skill player and make sure he becomes an elite pass rusher or an elite pass catcher. Thank God he got rid of Chase Claypool to really help this man develop. That's some good. Uh, that's some good coaching and just all around good GMing. Good for you, Pittsburgh. The fact of the matter is, you let J.K. Dobbins, who hasn't played football in weeks and has only played a handful of games, hell, a handful of quarters this year. 215, averaging 8.1 yards per touch, and with a touchdown. Pittsburgh, who gives a shit about Pittsburgh? I want to kind of pose this question, unless you have something else to say about Pittsburgh, Wally. Maybe the Ravens can't survive without Lamar for these next couple weeks. That's kind of scary. We'll see what Tyler Huntley's going to look like. But with this, to your point, David, playing volleyball against Pittsburgh, that's been their MO. Do we think the Ravens are going to be able to survive without Lamar for the next one or two games now? 
Sure do. Can't wait for that $250 million contract this offseason, too. Go Ravens. To the, to the Detroit Lions. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, I'll, I'll say my Ravens bit, and we'll, uh, we'll circle back, finish up with the Steelers. You did a great job in, in the recap of that game and painting a picture. Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, from a defensive side of the ball right now, that is one of the most fun linebacker duos I can remember in my life. It Now, all of a sudden, you have two of my favorite linebacker duos in forever in the same division because the Bengals have a great one as well with Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, and that's where it's tough for you, David, because obviously you guys are trying to work in Deshaun. You're still a very run-centric offense. I don't think the Ravens can continue this, though. I, the offense, man, I don't know if Tyler Huntley, like how long he'll be out. I don't know if Lamar's 100% sure back next week. They're not going to be able to win a game with Anthony Brown. Like they, that, that guy is not it. I remember watching him even at Oregon. It's just like this guy is a journeyman backup at best. This is a guy you're going to see in the XFL in about three months. I don't think this is a good Ravens team. That's the only way I can say it is – they're surviving games. They're kind of like our AFC version of the Minnesota Vikings. I don't see it. I don't believe in them. I don't think they're good. They should have lost this game yesterday. Yeah, they got bullied. They they ran the or they bullied the Steelers, ran the ball down their throat with J.K. Dobbins. They also had three turnovers on their side of the field and a blocked kick. That's potentially 24 points the Steelers could have had that was thrown away. And, and that's where I was going back to. I did. I wonder how much I'm going to hate myself for finally agreeing with the Steelers fans. Matt Canada and his play calling is so bad. It is so bad. It is, it like zips. It sucks the talent from everybody on that offense, all the skill position. And that's where I, I find a little bit of a reprieve for Mitch. Mitch, the worst part is he threw the ball really well in this game. He had those three picks beyond that. He looked good. And that was what I think Steeler fans are frustrated with because that's what they've been dealing with all year. If they can get the, their quarterback position and not turn the ball over, this is a playoff team, but they're turning it over left and right. It's like crazy. I'd love, I bet they have the most turnovers in the league. I don't know that. I probably should have looked it up, but I'll, I'll come back on Thursday for you. I think they're going to be up there, but I, I don't have anything else on this game. It's a gross game. I had to remind myself about 10 times, you're having fun. The Ravens and Steelers are a fun rivalry. These are good teams. I had to remind myself of that because it didn't feel like it for much of that game. I also had to remind myself the Kansas City Chiefs were fun in the second half because they up 27-0 in mile high against the Broncos. And all of a sudden, the Chiefs kind of just imploded. Russell Wilson, get a load of this, guys. Russell Wilson looked like an NFL quarterback for, I don't know, a quarter and a half. Then he gets his conky, perfectly surmises the entire Ra or a Broncos season. If he doesn't get concussed, do they win that game? Because it kind of felt like they would. Well, if he didn't get concussed, he could finally have at least the same amount of touchdowns as he has bathrooms in his house, which is now one away. Ooh, so it's getting have tight. It is getting tight unless he sporadically, you know, gets a home equity line of credit, builds a, builds another couple uh, 
bathrooms within the house. I don't know, maybe add an extension that was just a whole bathroom that counts as two. I don't know. We don't want to talk too crazy, but who knows? Maybe they could have won. Maybe Jerry Judy could have gotten a flag for bumping into a ref and yelling into his face. I don't How understand wild was that. Like before we even get into the game, as much as I found it funny, Chicago Bear fans, how pissed are you watching this? Was it last year or the year before when the ref blatantly put his hip in the way of, of I can't remember the dude's name, but I can't this either. The blonde guy. This dude literally was pulling from the practice squad and they were praising him. And then he gets this flag. I haven't seen him since. But as a Bears fan, you got to be livid. And as a Panthers fan, you got to be livid. He takes his helmet off in the field of play. He's yelling at the ref in his face, and he purposely bumps into him. NFL, holy shit. Get your refs together. My God, because trust me, this is not the last time. Maybe me, one of these two guys below and above me might be popping off on another game here for a really bullshit call. If you don't work, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure you do. I'll make sure to pop it out here. But Mahomes with an insane pass that goes for like a 50-yard touchdown to Jarek McKinnon, McKinnon, McKinnon. But Russ is finally cooking here. And I like what Denver was able to do. You can tell that, oh shit, there, there's that little sparkle that something that we can be next year. There's still a lot of pieces that Denver needs to get right before we can make them big. But Mahomes is good at Mahomes. Dude had three interceptions yesterday, and they still won. They didn't cover all my Broncos plus nine and a half. That's back-to-back weeks at nine-plus uh, point spreads that they covered, or two out of the last three. Denver chalk it up. Kansas City, come on. Be a little bit better than this. I will say this. Let me ask you guys this before I let you guys get into it. Is this game alarming to you at all about how Kansas City almost didn't really ha- – they just kind of took the foot off the gas. And without Russell Wilson, maybe that is going to be – a game that they lose almost as alarming as how the Dallas Cowboys couldn't beat the Texans or took that long to beat the Texans. I'm not worried about it. Not I, at I, Wilson finally looked like a quarterback worth rostering, but it took an entire, it, it took an entire half of football and the chiefs leading by 27 and subsequently taking their foot off the gas pedal before that happened. I, this seems more like a flash in the pan from the Broncos than anything. Kansas City is who we thought they were, which is an elite offense. And even with Pat Mahomes having a down-to-earth game, the Chiefs still looked untouchable in the first half. I'm I, I just not a believer in the Broncos. And, and sure, you saw flashes of what, they, what we expected them to be at the beginning of the season. But as far as I'm concerned, the Chiefs just literally said, oh, we've scored. We're up four touchdowns. Let's coast. And that's on the Chiefs. That's uh, that's not on the Broncos being good. I just I'm not worried about it. The Chiefs are the same Chiefs we know for the last four years. They're they're just ungodly good offensively. And we are forgetting that this is a Denver Broncos defense that has stifled almost everybody the entire year except for the Raiders. So yeah, they let their foot off the gas, and they'll tell you that. I don't think they'll deny that at all. What I think the bigger concern is two of the three Giants in the AFC, at least, of the Bengals, Kansas City, and Buffalo are going to have massive what-ifs. The Bengals have their O-line and defensive back injuries. It's like, what if what if we did address the O-line? Could we made the Super Bowl? You have Buffalo wondering, God, Josh Allen's elbow, Vaughn Miller's ACL. What if they stayed healthy? Could we have done it? Or you're going to get Kansas City 
What if we had just an average defense? Could we have won the Super Bowl? Because that's what people are not paying attention to. The Chiefs defense is nothing that we build it preseason. We thought they'd finally take steps. They are doing the exact opposite. They're falling off a bridge. This is a bad defense right now in Kansas City, and it's holding this team back. Got to at least mention, though, Travis Kelsey did become the fifth tight end in NFL history to eclipse 10,000 receiving yards. He's the fastest to ever do it by like 37 games. It's crazy. We can get in the offseason into a discussion about Gronk or Travis Kelsey, but I don't think there's ever a question. Travis Kelsey is the greatest receiving tight end of all time. Tony Gonzalez, is he's close, but it's it's got to be Travis Kelsey at this point. The other fun things, and I'm having a blast talking about this game for obvious reasons, Denver. They are officially eliminated from the playoffs, which makes the seventh straight year. I couldn't believe that when I saw it. Denver is such an institution in the NFL. It'd be like saying the Packers missed seven straight times in the NFC. It'd be like, oh, what? The last game they were in was the Peyton Manning Super Bowl. And get a load of this. Peyton Manning was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos the last time the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Denver Broncos. This is awesome. Last fun fact out of this game, if one of you said it already, I apologize. For the first time in 2022, the Denver Broncos scored on back-to-back drives, and it just so happened to precede the Russell Wilson concussion. Talk about just... That team this year, I can't remember. Thank God for them. Because I talked about the Raiders having the most embarrassing season of all time. They're in like a neck-and-neck race for different reasons. I looked up the Steelers' turnover stats. They're middle of the league in turnovers. And no way. They're, they're fourth in their fourth highest in interceptions with 13. And they're fourth fewest in fumbles. So they don't fumble the ball. They're very disciplined, but they throw a lot of interceptions. Who's ahead of them in uh, total interceptions thrown? Josh Allen has the same amount of interceptions as the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks. Texans, Colts, Rams. So Texans have 16 interceptions, Colts have 14, Rams 13, uh, Steelers 13. Where the Bills at? I was going to say the Bengals got to be close too. Burrow, Allen, and Mahomes have all thrown a lot of interceptions this year, all uncharacteristic. Mm, I this doesn't feel right anymore. Let me do some more diving. No problem. While you do that, Steven, throw us into the next game. We'll, we'll start talking random Steelers turnovers here before long. A game I feel that happens every single year. You have the Carolina Panthers facing the Seattle Seahawks. Carolina coming out victorious 30-24. to 24. Sam Darnold leading the charge here. I really like what Steve Wilkes has been doing with this team. Um, I know that Wally has it on here. Four and four is taking over the interim as the interim head coach. And I feel like he just has this locker room at such a great energy compared to what Matt Rule was doing. But how about this Carolina rushing attack? 46 rushes, my God, for 223 yards, just under five yards per carry. And you only had Darnold throwing for 120, but he got sacked a couple times, minus 15. So 105 yards, and you're able to come out victorious. J.C. Horn with a couple interceptions here that sealed it. But Jones is not having a good day. The Seattle Seahawks team has just not have been having a good last month and a half or so. I want to say, yeah, they squeaked out a couple victories here. But I feel like since 
we kind of were so entertained by the idea of the New York Giants versus the Seattle Seahawks. Both those teams have just gone straight downhill ever since. And I'm kind of worried about Seattle, someone that we really thought it was a way, 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 way dark horse to win the NFC West. Starting to become kind of visible here. And then over the last few weeks, it's even with Brock Purdy taking over San Francisco, looks like it's San Francisco's division to lose. And Seattle's not really doing any favors for that. Well, they are doing a bunch of favors for San Francisco because they continue to lose. From a Carolina perspective, this feels like the eight and nine team that I thought they were going to be, but were crippled by bad coaching to start the year. I think Steve Wilkes is likely earning himself the head coaching role uh, after the last two months. But I mean, Carolina had some bright spots on, on both sides of the ball. Hubbard was great with 14 for 74 and a touchdown. JC Horn was elite. He had four catches allowed. He had an interception. He only had uh, a 35 passer rating when targeted or only allowed a 35 passer rating when targeted. I don't know. This game seemed more of a storyline of just Geno Smith being downright terrible comparatively to what he's been this season than the Carolina Panthers being good. I don't even really disagree. That was by far a brutal day by his standards this year. He just, he was just not crisp. I know the one pick was an outstanding play by JC Horn. Like it was a phenomenal play. He peeled back. It was not his man. It was a very, 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 high football IQ play, but even so, Gino, accuracy was down. Carolina, you got to give him credit. I mean, this is a defense that's been doing this to a lot of teams, and Steve Wilkes is probably earning himself the job. I think if they do finish the year, even two and two in these last four, I think it'd be hard not to. The team's playing hard for them, and they're running the ball well. They went back to what they knew. I mean, they won this game with Sam Darnold basically doing the old – Josh Rosen, four yard underneath every single play. There was no question. It was just three yard dump down, three yard dump down, hopefully a broken tackle. The Seahawks run defense. I would love, love to watch them play a game against the Browns this year where it was just line up Nick Chubb and run, line up Kenneth Walker and run. You'd have a shootout. That's how bad these run defenses are right now. We, in hindsight, were stupid watching this game because it really was a mismatch on paper. But for some reason, we talked ourselves into Geno. We talked ourselves into Seattle. I think that they're playing themselves out of the playoffs now. I think that that was a must win. And it made me kind of think, imagine being in Seattle as a Seahawks fan a month ago, having to wake up at 545 to watch your team play in Munich, get embarrassed by Tom Brady, and fall off a cliff. They seriously went and flew over to Germany and watched their season die for no other reason than that. It, it's crazy what's happened since that, I guess, trip overseas. They don't look like the same team. It's wild because now they've dropped out of the playoffs. They're right behind the New York Giants, who they had the tiebreaker on for the seventh seed right now. Doesn't matter with a tie. It does not matter. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. But it's just, it's funny that the Giants have the tiebreaker, but since they have the tie, breaking the tie, whatever, you guys get it. Oh, that's But it's it's wild. Then, you know, I even kind of retract like Gino, not like my statement about Gino's, like, hasn't been playing that well. It's just the Seahawks. I mean, the dude's had, what, three, six, 10 touchdowns over the last four games. Yeah, he has four interceptions as well. But I mean, his rating's been playing well. The Seahawks defense isn't playing too hot. 
but the road is right in front of them, and they have a tough, tough last remaining schedule where they play the 49ers. It's in Seattle, thankfully. You're playing the Chiefs at Arrowhead. You have to play the Jets, which we I just like that matchup in general. So I think it's going to be really fun. And then you have the Rams at the end of the season, which you, I think you win. So you're in the driver's seat right now, Seattle. But I'm not going to be surprised if they all of a sudden play themselves out. And this, at one point, a seven and three team, or was it six and six and three team at one point? They might be ended up at that nine and eight range here and falling out of the playoffs. It sucks to say, but it, it feels like it would almost be fair in a sense because this isn't a playoff team. It, you guys know. I'm speaking of fan clubs. I don't even know if president is a, a good enough term for what I've been on the Geno Smith fan club this year. But he he needs to play at an MVP level right now for this team to win. That's how bad this defense is. And Geno Smith isn't an MVP. It's not a knock on him. He's just not that guy. I think that for me, first of all, that 49ers game, I can't wait to watch because I think that CMC and whoever else they're going to throw out there is going to combine for like 300 rushing yards against them. It's going to look like that Eagles game where they threw up 350 a few weeks ago. And then, oh, there was one more thing. There was one more thing. What was it? Uh, Geno Smith. Uh, and I lost the other one. I, I lost my train of thought, guys. So, David, you take it away. I'm obviously a mental mess over here. If I remember, I'll tell you. I'm ruining the flow of this podcast because I have my stats again on the Steelers. So <laughs> I was right. They're, they're fourth highest in interceptions thrown. The Bills are, uh, let's hear, five, six, seventh highest uh, with 11. And the Steelers are, God, where are they? They are 14th overall in turnovers. So like middle of the league. And... Oh, where are they? Where are they? They are fifth. No, sixth. They're the sixth lowest fumble rate or fumble turnovers. So uh, it's all picks, basically. So it's all picks, no fumbles. And the Bills are an even mix of both. And the Bills are fourth highest in turnovers for the year because they're an even mix of both. They've lost a boat. They've lost nine fumbles on the year, which is like, I don't know. I want to say tied for, yeah, tied for third highest. We're definitely going to have to talk about that again on Thursday and, and kind of dive into that a little more because, I mean, Buffalo is still 10-3, and three and I, they've turned it over that much. That yeah. just That's just kind can, of – Can I throw lame. another shocker at you? Let's hear it. If <laughs> – I don't know how – I don't even know if I want to ask the question. I kind of just want to tell you. Eagles only have three interceptions on the year, which – Godspeed to Jalen Hurts. That's probably his reason for being MVP. Giants only have five interceptions on the year. And the Titans only have six. The Jaguars only have six. The Lions only have seven. Wow, the Jags at six surprises like, me. I thought that one surprised the hell out of me. Yeah. That, all of those surprised the hell out of me. And if you look at all of those teams, the Lions have turned the ball over like top 10 least amount. Giants top 10 least amount. Here's a shocker for Wally. The Raiders are the third least amount of turnovers in the NFL. Derek Carr doesn't yeah. – like, we don't throw it in the second half, so it's yeah. hard. I just like – I don't know. Some of these teams are kind of shocking from a turnover. I would have expected way more. But – It just ruined my mood That's again. my podcast ruin the flow moment. Um, we can roll right into Tampa Bay. I'm good San with that. Let's go. 
Tampa Bay putting up a huge stinker. San Francisco beating them 35-7. to There might be a lot of things to take away from this one. Just like don't jump on Mike White's bandwagon. Don't jump on Brock Purdy's bandwagon until you see a sufficient sample size. He was greatly helped out by a fantastic running game and Shanahan's ability to scheme easy throws when his running game is working. I think it's a testament to Shanahan, but it's still an impressive performance from Mr. Irrelevant himself. But I think that the most exciting aspect of that game for me was Trent Williams continues continuing to put on elite showings. And my favorite thing is that PFF has him ranked, has him tied with the GOAT. Since 2006, him and Joe Thomas have the highest PFF grades overall for tackles at 95.1. They stole Trent Williams from the 49ers or from the the commanders, as far as I'm concerned. But as for the Bucs, they are the they are a highly under a highly underperforming football team who's going to win this division because everyone else in it is atrocious. And I'm honestly considering betting against them the rest of the way, but this is, this remains the team with the absolute most talent doing the absolute least with it. And I I can't explain it. Before Steven, you start answering any of this. I got to ask you guys with your life on the line, who are you taking to win the NFC South then? So it would be Buccaneers. My life. The fuck if I know. The, like uh, what a uh, probably the Bucks just because I don't know how you can have so much talent and not and like not win that division. I, I uh, but what a shit show! What an absolute. You're literally shit. betting Tom Brady versus Desmond Ritter versus Sam Darnold versus Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Like who are you betting? If your life is on the line, Stephen, who are you taking out of the South? I'll be honest with you guys. I don't think I kind of like Carolina. Back. I do too. I kind of like Carolina. They've won. They've won back to back. The start. They're starting to kind of cook it up, and they're only a game out. Hell, the the Saints Who are is the still. Tiebreaker? Does anybody know Carolina? Because no. if Tampa, Tampa Bay, does, we might be Tampa in trouble. Bay has it over, ah. but they still have a matchup. They still have a matchup. So Tampa Bay has the Bengals, Cardinals, Panthers, and Falcons here to end the season. Say Carolina beats that. Right, and then let me see what they have. I just had Carolina schedule: Pittsburgh, Detroit, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans left. That's so a I, I, that's a that's brutal, brutal finish. Yeah, Wait. I think that's I think that's harder than what Tampa Bay is dealing with. But Oof. Pittsburgh's a brutal game. For it's them. a tough. Match it absolutely up. is. And Detroit, like how Carolina's fucking defense white is hot, like a white hot streak. Then you got to face Tampa Bay and New Orleans, which are division opponents. So, like, this is an NFC South podcast now. I wouldn't go that far. What if the fucking, like, I mean, what if the Falcons just, like, go on a fucking heater and win it? I'll, like Desmond I'll, Ritter's the truth? Yeah. What are the Falcons? What does the Falcons last for? We have Saints, Ravens, Cardinals, Bucks. Yeah, the Falcons are screwed. You're muted, bud. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I was definitely talking there for a minute. Uh, I was going to say, it's frustrating because – if the Bucks don't blow or come back, I guess they blew it for me. If they don't come back and beat the Saints on Monday night, it's a four-way tie with four weeks left. And that That's would have been wild to um, think about. Four-way tie at five and eight. It would have been unbelievable. I mean, that's the only way to make that division any fun is to try to make playoff I think, intrigue. I think the Saints might have the best chance. 
At four and six, do they have a tiebreaker? I don't no. know, but they have Falcons, Browns, Eagles, which is a loss, and Panthers. If they can go three and one, they'd have to go three and one. And even then, but that'd they be have seven. Yeah, and Tampa they have Bay to have just someone, one. Tampa Bay's got to lose three. They'd have to lose four, have, I think. Well, they have two I don't games up. Oh, that's them. a good point. I, mm. This is miserable. I that, well, that division. New Orleans actually no, you're right. They got to lose all four because Tampa Bay has a swept uh, them this year. Yeah. New Orleans has the easiest finish, but I mean, I don't. The Bucks, the Bucks could lose three of their last four in my eyes. They could easily think, lose. They I'm could having easily a blonde lose moment. The Bengals. They could easily lose to the Cardinals. They could easily lose to one of the Panthers or Falcons, in my opinion. I don't trust them in any of those matchups. I'm having a blonde moment, but you guys, do you have any idea off the top of your head what the three team tiebreaker would be? division and if it's not that i think it's um it's record versus like opponents outside of the okay. division i think what what's the uh the division records let's say let's say in your scenario david the saints win three out of four the bucks win one and the panthers win two so you have three bucks are three and one in the division panthers Son are three and bitch. one in the division Ooh. which means falcons and saints are one and three so it is the panthers are in a prime position to take it Oh boy. Thurs. But Let's go Thurs. He to win. I mean, they have to go, they have to go three and one and then hope that Tampa Bay doesn't win three games. All right. Fuck Tampa Bay. It's all about Purdy <laughs> Boy. It's all about yes. Purdy Boy swag. Okay. My Purdy Soldier Boy, boy fans, swag. thank you, Wally. Boy this man swag. knows what I'm talking about. Purdy Butt swag. I mean, 16 to 21, two touchdowns for a buck 85. That's I mean, people in New York are wishing Zach Wilson would just do half of that. I mean, CMC, trade of the year, 16 touches over 150 yards and two touchdowns. And this San Francisco defense, my God, they picked off Tom twice. They recovered a, a Rashard White or whatever. I, I I think you have a Rashard White and he's – I can't remember. Um, I, thought the, I thought there was two running backs with the same name. But they recover a fumble from him. I mean, this defense – Rashad Penny is probably what you were thinking of. Sorry. I am not. Who's – oh, is it – Rashad White what? is the one with Tampa. I thought if you meant two, you might have been thinking of who Rashad is, Penny. Who, okay, who did you – who did the Raiders just draft? Oh, uh, Zamir White? Yeah, okay, I was getting confused on the first – on the last name with the first name. Gotcha. Regardless, Zeus? This, San Francisco, this San Francisco defense is going to lead them places here. I'm assuming – I'm still going to stick on the – the Philadelphia train until Philly, until Philly beats on the NFC championship game. I like what Purdy's doing. And you know what? It's the same thing I said last week. They're going to be fine. He's a younger Jimmy G. That's all, And that's all they need him to be. Now, with Debo Samuel, that's going to be out here with some time, but they are expecting him to come back before the regular season ends. So they dodged a extremely Huge. large bullet here. So that is big for them. I think once they get George Kittle, even the ball a little bit more too, all of a sudden, Purdy's going to be feeling a little bit more comfortable. But I like that for the kid. Talk, talk about a great story, dude. Mr. Irrelevant. And he is the first quarterback in NFL history to beat Tom Brady for his first NFL career start. Tom Brady was undefeated against quarterbacks making their first start against him until this past Sunday. Wow, you were full of fun facts I'm dropping them today. You like it? I'm loving that. That's a great one. I hadn't heard that one yet. I so, and it's crazy, too, because we're talking about a 40-year-old or 45-year-old guy. God, it's crazy. You say 40 is usually like a 
hyperbolic and you're like exaggerating. It's He's been the, Tom Brady's has been in the league longer than Brock Purdy's been alive. Are you sure? I thought he was like six months old last time. Either way, it's ridiculous. But anyways, it's the lowest point in Tom Brady's career, right? It feels like it. And it's just so sad to see it happen that I'm hoping against hope that there's still Brady in there. Cause like the, the arm is there still. The accuracy is off, but it's not like he's not like when Peyton Manning was, you know, like you needed to take him behind the woodshed old yeller style. He was not getting the ball downfield. He was leaving the ball at people's feet, 20 yards downfield. Brady's overthrowing guys. So I'm hoping that I, I want to buy into the idea that he goes somewhere else. Wouldn't it be crazy if Tom Brady went somewhere else next year and ended his career, whether it be in like New England to go back or I mean, it'd just be cool. I, or I just, Vegas. Stop. I, I know everybody are saying Vegas. I'd hate that. God, it makes me sick. San Francisco. Yeah. Might as well play in his hometown, right? They beat that into the ground, but I don't know, guys. I, I love this 49ers team. There's nothing bad about it. The offensive line has gems, to your point, David. Trent Williams is a beast. CMC, a freak. They don't even need him to be because they like they can throw anybody in that Kyle Shanahan offense and they look good. Debo survived. Thank God for that. And Brock Purdy, I'm a little bit different than you guys, right? So I'm not ready to crown the kid by any stretch. But, David, you and I were talking on Thursday when we were doing the preview to this. The beat writers have been high on this kid like all year going into like the preseason. They're like, dude, I know you're not going to see him. Trey Lance and Jimmy G are ahead of him. You're never going to get to this kid. But whenever Brock Purdy eventually makes his NFL debut, he's he's got it. And then these guys get hurt. And you really have the opportunity for something special because the defense is good. Because Kyle Shanahan's a genius. He doesn't need to be perfect. And he looked good. I know, like, that touchdown to Brandon Ayuk, he underthrew him by a lot. That's that's my concern. I don't think he's going to be the next world beater. I just think that he's got potential. Life. Sure. There's life in this season. Sure. You know who else has that similar, you know, era aura about him? Mike White. Like, I, I'm not – Throw the I'm parade. Not, I'm just not – I'm not going to crown this kid. Like, I'm not going to – get excited until I have like a, a three game sample size. Like next year, we look like the worst quarterback in the NFL. And we all look like idiots. If we crown him like something special. Right. So I'm just not, just I want, don't overreact that size. other way as well. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if he does poorly, it's not, he's the worst quarterback ever. There's right. a middle ground, like everything. Right. I just want to see but, a sample size. That's all I want. There's a sufficient. Well, there, We have just never seen no, any amount of sample size with this guy. I mean, let's also, let's kind of put in perspective what he's done, right? He comes in mid, he comes in what halfway through the first quarter against a Miami team. That let's be real here. You really think like he was sitting there studying like he was he would have been when he was starting? No, and he and he put on a, for his for him a great performance, and then he puts on another one at the end of the day, Mister Relevant. I think that I'm on you, David. I'm not ready to crown him, but I'm also not ready not to crown him. I think he's playing well. What does that even mean? Is he crowning? <laughs> um, I, here's here's my my last point on on this topic, and I just lost my train of thought. Don't worry. I Once think, we're in the next game, you'll you'll be able no, to remember I'm and jump so, in. Oh, 
No. So here's my last point on this topic. And I promise it's my very last one. San Francisco could not be rooting harder against Purdy from a general management perspective, because if you're telling me that Purdy's going to come in and be the starter and be the guy, then you're, what you're telling me is we've, we've given up like 7,000 first round picks for quarterbacks that aren't the guy. And like, I, I just can't like that. That couldn't be a bigger fail by the same, like by San Francisco, if they, if they end up going with Purdy going forward. But so if they win a championship, running. nobody asked those questions. Maybe, but like, look at LA. I, I mean, maybe banners fly forever. That's true. Maybe, but like nobody's rooting harder against him than, than general managers right now. Yeah. And the banners always fly hard when none of the home fans will actually sit there and appreciate them. Wally. I get what you're doing because the Los Angeles Chargers have no home fans. <laughs> if a banner's flying and no one's and no one's there, is it flying? Yeah, like if the banner's flying and no one's there, did they really win the Super Bowl? Like last year's Super Bowl did not happen. Try telling that to a Bengals fan, they're still hurting. But the Sunday night football game, dude, this was a crazy game to me. I was actually pretty I don't even know what the word would be. I was stunned at the ineptitude of the Miami offense. And I was stunned at Justin Herbert. Just, it feels like took it so personal, this social media quarterback, the he's not that good talk. Our buddy, David, Justin Hamlin, he wanted us to talk about like the debate. Everybody wants the Tua versus Justin Herbert pregame yesterday. I think yesterday was the perfect example of why, that is such a hollow exercise and a waste of time because Tua has a, a wide receiver that is going to go down as one of the greatest of all time in the prime of his career. Jalen Waddle, who looks like he could be a top 10, top 15 wide receiver in the league. He has the new Sean McVay. Everybody is giving the gluck gluck 3000 to every time he opens his mouth on NFL films right now. And then you flip it and Herbert has a coach that might not survive the year a decimated offense in terms of injury and all their wide receivers while talented are the same player. They're six, four and slow as molasses. If they flipped roles, it's not even a question. I just like, I'm not as high as some people are on Herbert. Some people want to believe that he's already in that Murrow, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen kind of tier. He's not, he's got to earn it, but I'm very high on him still. So I don't know. I, it was just a perfect game to me to really stop that talk for a while. Cause it was Justin Herbert's greatest game of his career, keeping the Los Angeles chargers alive. And then Tua, by far the worst game of his career. I think he had the second lowest completion percentage of any starter this season, only behind Zach Wilson. Just no idea what to even start with here. Well, who wants to take Look, it? You've, you've hit the nail on the head. The game is why I hate the fucking chargers so much. They're a bad team that loses games they should win and beats teams they shouldn't. And it's frustrating as somebody who has to bet on them weekly. For me, this was the Justin Herbert showcase. He was accurate. He was calm under pressure. This game kind of reminds you why, you know, his ceiling is a top three quarterback. But even more impressive, the, the Chargers defense played elite football for the first time all fucking year. God forbid it had to happen against this team. You know, they found a way to disrupt the two most explosive players in football and an elite offense. As for the Dolphins, this, this game is a really good reminder of why the Dolphins did 
everything they could to lure Deshaun Watson to Miami and then lost legitimate assets trying to illegally lure Tom Brady to Miami. Tua has been fantastic mostly all season, but my fear is that his floor has a bigger effect on the Dolphins than his ceiling. Holy shit. That I feel like that South Park episode, if you guys have ever seen it, where, they're, where the kids, I don't want to reference it because uh, it's a little bit uh, non-PC, but they're sitting there in front of the judge and they're like, this is this is making an insane amount of sense to me. So I that was that was awesome. I mean, Wally's our resident doctorate in English, but you just dropped some you just dropped some knowledge in that. And that grammar just that probably got Wally's Peter hard. But no, you're right. Tua's and we're seeing Tua's floor right now. Let's let's just kind of sit back. 45.9% completions, three touchdowns and two interceptions with a lost fumble over the past two weeks. What is happening? What is happening in Miami? I don't want to panic too much, but this was a team a couple weeks ago that I was over here patting myself on the back, not shutting the hell up about how smart I am about picking Miami. And here they are shooting me right in there in the foot and just taking a couple steps back, I think. Yeah. Now you're going to, now you're just causing yourself a tougher road here in the playoffs when you inevitably make it here. Oh my God. Two has got to get, two has just got to get right. And they got to get something right here. And for all you Justin Herbert haters, I'm sick of it. I am going to stick here for my man. I'm with Wally. I don't think that he's up in that Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen class right now. Not yet. But he's underneath that. He's tier two. I think he's, you know, we have tier one, and then he's like tier one B, like the first starter, at least the first start in, in the second tier. Let's sit back, guys. All you social media people, name me 10 other quarterbacks you take in front of him. Because you can't. Yeah. I, I, eight? I think he's like a top it's eight guy right best. now. It's seven at best. You could you could hear an argument for seven at best. So how the fuck is that guy a social media quarterback when he's a top seven quarter quarterback in our minds at least? It blew my mind. All he did, all he's done is just gonna shatter every single quarterback record for the first three years outside of wins. He already broke Andrew Lux. He's gonna shatter the touchdowns, the completion, um, the yardage. I think I want to say like yards per I I ran it out because I remember Barstool had tweeted this out like Justin Herbert really isn't that good yada yada and I was like cool here's all the week here's all the year three records he's gonna shatter with weeks left in the season here's the first one to fall and if you guys go back and look at it he is on pace to just demolish these so I don't understand where the hate of it comes from outside of him not being able to play well and the other thing that stuck out to me is Mike Williams is the difference maker in this offense. You can have it. You can give as many touches to Austin Eckler without him on there. You can have Keenan Allen in there a little bit too. Take Keenan Allen out. This team was somewhat putting up offense with Mike Williams. Mike Williams gone. They have no idea what to do with themselves. I think Mike Williams really is the guy that is controlling this offense, which is so surprising because between the offensive line and when they were healthy, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, that's the last guy on your radar. It's just another Chargers year that's ruined by injuries. We're so accustomed to it by now. It's just kind of the the facts. I can't remember the guy's name, so hand up. I I apologize. Hunter Henry. Last, last night they were talking on the broadcast about one of the Chargers' all time great quarterbacks who passed away at like seventy nine this week, and I was sitting there I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, the more I think about it, the Chargers 
are very similar to you, Stephen. And I got to almost hate you a little bit because just like the Packers, the Chargers go from one franchise quarterback to another. It's just ridiculous. They talked about this guy passing away, and I was like, oh, okay, that's terrible. And they're like, oh, and they drafted Dan Fouts right after. I'm like, what? Wait, Dan Fouts? What happened after Dan Fouts? Yeah, Drew Brees. What happened after Drew Brees? You had Phillip Rivers. Now you have Justin Herbert. And the weird thing about it is the Chargers don't have any Super Bowls to show for it. It's It feels like such a cursed organization. For one reason or another, they always have the talent. They just can never get over the edge. And I don't quite understand what that, that is. But I think Justin Herbert could be the guy eventually to get them over that hump. But just go figure. He's in the same era as Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. And that's just to get to the Super Bowl. So it's it sucks because he's just – I brought it up last week. Someone has to be the Phillip Rivers and someone has to be the Big Ben of this era of quarterbacks in the AFC, and I think he's being it. Look, you've said it, though. Burrow, Allen, Mahomes in his conference. That is that – is, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady played in the same conference, but on the other side of the fucking conference was Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Like they didn't all have to play against each other to get there. Like that is worst case scenario for Herbert. Absolutely. And one last thing before we get uh, going and finished and wrapped up here is going back to two his problems. I think a big part of it was that a few weeks ago, we always, or we kept seeing the no team's wide receivers get deeper into their routes by the time that their quarterback is at the top of their drop. And you saw the Chargers be very physical with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Yeah, they got away with some penalties. Yeah, they got called with some, but you take that when you're playing that team. If you can be physical, throw these guys off their timing a little bit, Tua did not look like the same guy. He looked lost. The only touchdown pass he had, I think it was only his fourth catch or pass of the pass completion of the game. And it was midway through the third quarter was that bomb to Tyreek Hill and Tyreek beat the press. He wasn't touched and he got right into his route. So it's just something to keep an eye on. That's two straight weeks that they played a physical team and the accuracy numbers fell through the floor. Last minute predictions here on this, uh, New England Arizona game because guys, I there's no there's no, I can't even pretend to care about this. And if I want to, if you if I want to take it a little bit further, this is going to be everyone's going to know this news by the time this comes out and probably right now. Kyler Murray fell down to the ground with a non-contact injury. He's getting carted off the field here. Apparently, by Ian Rappaport, I had it a little bit on on the sleeper app too. This comes out of nowhere, so I'm going to go with the New England Patriots just because of this news. I'm sure the line is going to flip from – the, were the Patriots favorited? Yeah, one-and-a-half point favorites. That's probably going to bump up, I would say, to four-and-a-half. I want to feel like a connoisseur. I feel like that's a good enough, maybe a field goal just for Kyler Murray, but give me the Patriots here um, with Kyler Murray expected to be out. And if he's not, then I'm just completely talking out of my ass. No, I just watched a replay of that oh, non-contact shit. injury. It looked so like – So what happened? Had- he pulled – he was running, and he just, like, fell to the ground. That looked – I don't know if it was – You think it's his it, hammy that's acting up? Yeah, it's been kind of – It definitely didn't look like a knee or anything. It looked like good. a pulled – you know, it looked like a pulled muscle or, like, maybe even a torn muscle. I don't know, but it didn't look great, and I'm with you. If if Murray's out, 
screw what I said about Arizona plus one and a half like last week or yeah, last week. This is this is all Patriots if Murray's out. All right. So I just saw him card off. I haven't seen the injury yet, but he has a towel over his head and it looks like he's balling too. So it, it, you'd imagine that whatever it is, he knows that it's not good. And for the record too, they're four and eight, regardless, even if it, this is the best news ever and he has a bad cramp, sit him the rest of the year. What's the point? Not to mention Colt McCoy is a very capable backup. One of the higher end backups in the league. Brown's legend. Brown's legend. Redskins legend. We can say it because he played for them. And ah, who else did he play? I can't even remember. Doesn't matter. He's a legend there too. But yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the loser and actually stay with Arizona, even though I probably said New England the other day. Whatever I said on Thursday, that's what I said. So hate me, whatever, listeners. And that's gonna bring us to an end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms: Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down and Twitter down underscore loss. Remember, this episode is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, as well as tabbies.com. Wally, David, what are your parting words for the fans? Except for me, go Syracuse, baby. I'll go first today. Make it easy on you, David. You're always good about this. 10,000 steps. The challenge I said I was doing, still going well. I'm going to keep saying it every Monday episode, so that way it forces accountability. If I don't say it, call me on my shit. I'm probably being a piece of shit. Otherwise... Two happy birthdays, long time, or basically since the beginning, listener, Jack Hoopler, happy birthday. We love you, buddy. Happy and then, birthday, Jack. Jackie, Jackie boy. And then naturally, I have to also wish my wonderful mother a happy birthday tomorrow. She is turning 35 and <laughs> what? probably 35. That's what I assume it is at this point. But uh, another person that's been very supportive of this from the beginning, love her very much. And, and again, happy birthday, mom, Sandy L. Mama Luca. Mama Luca. Molly, I'm proud of you for the 10,000 steps a day. Happy birthday to both those beautiful souls. Fuck the Browns. Fuck the Raiders. Go Lions. Let's kill it. Go Before Pack we up. toss it out of here, boys, we got two feet. We got two of the last three games here. At least we can talk about it on Thursday. What was it? Argent- we got Argentina and Croatia. The Croatia. Croatians. And then we got Morocco against France. What's our predictions for the finals on Sunday? Croatia is going to get back to the final on PKs because that's what they do. And then France is a wagon. So we're getting a a rematch. Isn't that a replay of four years ago? Yes, we're getting a rematch of 2018, baby. It it wouldn't shock me if that was was a nice little replay for everyone. But France is a wagon. Nobody can – they're playing without four of their best players in the world – in their starting lineup, and they're still the best team by far in the World Cup. Someone tell that to Brazil. Yeah, yeah. I just, Ooh, I don't gosh. know. I'm if France, I'm, I'm actually rooting for Morocco, but it, like, it's going to be impossible for France to lose the rest of the way unless they choke really hard. And for the record, I'm rooting for Argentina for your buddy Adam Alfonso, okay. but yep. I just like there's something weird whenever you have that possibility of a storyline like a rematch. I'm going to take it because it just feels like there's something brewing there. Give me Argentina, though. Come on. What's the, what's a better storyline than Lionel Messi finally getting that international medal of the World Cup that he wants and almost saying, peace, now I'm going to go to the MLS and just make my money, destroy people. Not as much money as Ronaldo, but pretty damn good money. Got to love that oil money, David. Oil city, baby. Blood money.